Welcome to Career Practitioner Conversations. This podcast is presented by the National Career Development Association. Hello, everyone. I'm Melissa Venable, NCDA Director of Professional Development, and I'm excited to introduce today NCDA President Dr. Lakeisha Matthews and Dr. Ken Keyes. Ken Keyes is President of C- and CEO of Consulting Resource Group International, host of the Secrets of Success podcast, and an author of multiple books, including The Quest for Purpose, a self-discovery process to find it and live it. Today's conversation is focused on faith and career development. Dr. Matthews, Dr. Keyes, thank you both for being here and bringing this topic to our podcast. Thank you so much, Melissa. Ken, welcome to the NCDA podcast. Well, thanks for the invitation. It's an honor to be able to serve uh, our fellow professionals and peers. Absolutely. So we we met by happenstance at a conference in Ottawa, Canada, uh, very recently, a few weeks ago um, at the lunch hour and ended up having the most fabulous conversation about faith, purpose in career. And I'm excited to speak with you today. I know you have so many golden nuggets uh, to drop mm-hmm. to our listeners, these career professionals. So to give some context, my presidential theme for NCDA this year is career development around the world, making connections and increasing access to impact the global labor market. And we've been talking to various professionals and experts about diversity, about equity, about inclusion. And one of the areas that I have really found that has always been very important to me and to many of my clients, but that we don't talk about a lot, is this idea of the role that faith may play in someone's career development. And it's very interesting. You and I found that we were both persons of faith. I'm a person of faith. I I do go to um, church for me. Some people may call it Baptist. Some people may call it non-denominational. And I think it's interesting that in my perspective, in the church, no one really ever talked to me about career and my faith. And then outside of the church, people talked to me about my career, but not how my faith was involved with Mm. that. And then in my work um, at the Career Center at the University of Baltimore, I get to work with a lot of students and I've worked with Jewish students. I've worked with Muslim students. I've worked with Christian students. And I have learned that when they disclose to me their faith, um, it's a great opportunity uh, in the coaching or career advising or counseling process to see how that faith is playing a role in that client's career exploration, career development, professional growth and development. So I no longer shy away from the faith conversation as a career professional. So that's what we're going to be sitting in and talking about today. And I want to start off, um, if you could tell us a little bit, how has your faith, what is faith to you? How has that played a role in your career pursuits? Mm. Well, maybe I'll go through the back door. I agree with you where a lot of times in the career development space, we don't recognize the importance of this. I'll call it beliefs, but also faith and how this underpins who we are. I believe now I have complete biases. I don't apologize for them. That's where I come from. But I think this is also where we need to honor people and their belief systems is that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience, not the other way around. So if that's the case, every single person listening to this podcast has a belief system. If you say you do or don't, you say, well, can I have no belief system? I'm, I'm atheist. Well, then that's your religion. That's your faith. That's your belief system. And so our beliefs are these underpinning 
sort of mindsets about why we're here, what's important to us. And if we nothing's here, that's going to affect how we make choices. But I think in the career development space, we have done a significant disservice to our clients and ourselves by really avoiding the topic because it's a hot potato because some people, I don't want to be talking about that because of I might be offending somebody. Well, the reality is this is my belief system. You, This is where I come from. So I still remember now, he's passed away now, but Dr. Kenneth Robinson wrote the book, The Element, which was a New York Times bestseller. And there was one paragraph in the book and he said, what basically your belief system is immaterial to your purpose or your element or your calling. I absolutely categorically disagree with that. It is foundational to, because our faith, our belief systems drive our choices, drive our direction, drive our conduct, drive our behavior. And if that is foundational to our behavior and to our choices or environments, then that has to be part of our career development. It has to be part of our life. Now, of course, I wrote the book, The Quest for Purpose, and I do believe that we really have a life assignment and calling as much as a career, I think, you know, we NCDA are part of, you know, the Canadian uh, Association or the, the Asian uh, Association, which I'm part of. Maybe career is a misnomer. I, I haven't come up with a, an alternative word, uh, Dr. Matthews, but, but uh, instead of, you know, career, what is our purpose? What is our calling? What is our assignment? And when we go down that track, then for sure, our faith, our belief systems are foundational to our choices, our direction, and what's going to work for us. Absolutely. That Let's unpack that because you threw out some really, I think, key words for career practitioners to sit in because maybe, like you said, maybe you're not a person that embraces belief or faith um, in the terms of organized religion. So you really clarified, I think, there for many people that it doesn't always have to be organized religion because I think that's where sometimes the friction comes in. People don't want to uh, go down this path with a client about their belief system because they're thinking about it in the concept of organized religion. And really, you can sort of separate those terms of faith and belief system or purpose versus organized religion, which some people may have, but other people may not. But we all have really this belief system. And I really like the way that you talked about that, because that then informs how a person makes career decisions, how a person explores their career, what makes a person satisfied on work. So, you know, we shouldn't shy away from those things. And then you threw in that two big words, purpose and calling. And it's mm-hmm. interesting because I remember years ago when I first started off in career services and I'm so passionate, I'm this young professional and I'm like, I found my purpose, I found my calling. And a colleague said to me, "There, everybody doesn't have that. Stop being so excited when you talk about purpose. Stop asking people what their purpose are because everybody doesn't have a purpose. Just some people just want a job. What do you think about that? What's is there a difference between a job, a career, a purpose, and a calling? And is it different for, for different people? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> you just asked me 12 questions. Thank you, doctor. So uh, first of all, I'll adamantly disagree. Somebody has been in this space, and this is my 33rd year doing this. And, uh, you know, I was a dyslexic guy in high school. My English teacher said it would not amount to anything because I couldn't read or write. Then there was the invention of the computer. I know I sound very young on the podcast and that I'm like 12 years old. But however, I've been around this space for a bit. And all of a sudden, you never would have convinced me in my 20s that I would be an author of four million words, four books, all these kinds of uh, psychological tools and assessments ever whatsoever because of the invention of technology and what it did for my ability to write on the computer and do it. 
So I do believe, uh, and this is, again, my bias. If you want to throw it out, that's fine, that every single person is born with a calling and assignment, but it's our responsibility. That's what my book's all about, our responsibility to discover it. Because otherwise, that means you're an accident. Now, if you go down that pathway, that's fine. That's your, um, we'll respect your journey to go there. But that's not been my experience with people and working with hundreds, if not thousands of individuals over uh, my lifetime is that every single person has an assignment of calling. Now, what happens in a lot of cases is background and culture and the environment and what we let into our system biases our own thinking about this. Well, I'm not worthy. I, I don't have a call. I don't. So when you start saying these things that I don't have a call, that I don't have a purpose, there's nothing going on. I just want a job. Then guess what? You're going to believe that. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to encourage everybody here is that we have the responsibility. Now, I sit on a, a global HR committee, uh, co- committee for diversity and equity, and I, I'm kind of the contrarian in there where I said, you can't policy your way to good manners or good behavior or beliefs. I can only take responsibility for what I can do. I'm the only, I'm the only person who I can control. So I know there's disservices that occur and happen. But what if I can rise above it? What if I can be clear about why I'm here? So I still remember my, I was at a Christmas dinner with my uh, family. My aunt is there. My eight-year-old, his son is there. And he says to my, the family, he says, I just want to have a band and, and, and be a musician for the rest of my life. And at eight years old, and he was a gifted musician, no doubt about it. And my aunt said, what are you going to do for a real career? I was ready over to pound my, and sorry, this is just the metaphorically, my 85-year-old aunt to, to sh- could you just, sh- pardon the pun, shut up? You're not supposed to say that to an eight-year-old. And then, then you have the opposite side where adults says, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I'm 12 years old. So uh, I don't know if you remember um, the study out of Canada that was investigating that I cited when you were in my session that... Um, the linkage between career development professionals with high school and university students was negatively correlation. In other words, the more they talked to the career developer, the less impact, the more negative impact it had because we're trying to get people down careers. So when you think about calling, uh, I really go down this place where we have expertise, we have passions, we have um, things uh, that we can bring to the marketplace. And the marketplace is constantly evolving, changing, uh, and even how we do business, here we are, we're recording a podcast on Zoom, which then will be an audio. You go back just 10 years ago, and podcast was just like remote, it's for radio stations, for other people that had the technology. Now it's available to anybody on their iPhone or their phone at any time. So we need to be able to kind of respond to the context of how things unfold. Mm-hmm. But I still have this expertise, and my calling in life is to help others to live, lead, and work on purpose so that you can realize your full potential. Now, this is not a self-centered thing, is that you start diving deep. And when you get connected to those things that are passionate for you, then you have your highest level of contribution. And this is not self-centered. This is self-honoring so that you can bring your best self to other people so that they are transformed by your connection with them. And so this idea of, oh, no, there's no purpose, there's no calling, whatever. Well, then that negates, I think, a lot of it where I'm just really transactional in my life. Well, uh, I don't believe that. I don't see that. <laughs> and if somebody denies that there is sort of a spiritual thing, then yeah, th- then what happens is you seem to become sort of closed to it. And if you become closed to it, you don't see those opportunities per se. 
And, and then a lot of times, I remember being in a university, my wife used to be an academic coach at a university. We talked about that a while, I, th- I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had um, students in her office just in tears because their parents were mandating what courses they were going to take. They hated the course. The one example was uh, an individual from Asia where their family was very wealthy, had a manufacturing plant in cosmetics. She was taking all these sciences, hated them. And that's because her dad wanted her to be the head of the research department. And then my wife asked her, what do you really want to do? So I want to do the arts. I want to act. I want to maybe be in communications, but I hate everything about science. So a lot of times people get stuck and you see this, everybody listening to this, if you're in career development, you know, this has occurred or happened with some students somewhere, somehow, is that uh, they get misled, they get a belief system that gets stuck into them, which just misdirects them or hinders them from really diving deep to say what's really, really, really going on. And I know this, I'm, I haven't taken a breath here because they get all worked up over this. But the other one is, is that the only person who can confirm, affirm that this is your wheelhouse, that this is your zone, that this is where you are in your backswing or whatever is you. Mm. Now we can help you as professionals. We can, you know, we're an assessment company. We also believe in journaling and in the narrative side and all those things that come into career development. But in the end, only you can confirm that this is just resonates for you, that it energizes you, that it, that you love this. Now, you saw me speak, uh, Dr. Matthews, at the event, and this wasn't really at self-promotion, but I've done 3,000 presentations. And I am actually still amazed that from a self-disclosure point of view that I still love it. After 33 years <laughs> of doing the presentations, of being engaged yeah. in doing it, And the only way I can explain that, this is what I'm meant to do, or to be on a podcast and communicate and encourage and help and and just cause people to lean into what's possible for them and not get despondent or listen to the naysayers that say, well, no, you don't have any of this. I, I love that. You said so many profound things. And I think the first thing that really uh, stood out to me is really saying no to this idea that everyone doesn't have a reason for being here. And it reminded me of my time, uh, my first career center was at Loyola University, Maryland with uh, the Jesuits. And the Jesuits have a really interesting lens of encouraging students to say, what are you good at? And then how does what you're good at meet a need in the world? And you really spoke to that idea that when we're all in tune to what we're here for or a purpose and we have a belief system that says I'm here to accomplish something, it doesn't just help us, but it really helps the world. It helps our families. It helps our communities. Um, It helps our countries and and, and the globe. So that in itself, I think is so powerful. And then if we swing that around to career professionals, the fact that we have this opportunity, I think, to challenge our clients sometimes beyond the transactional to the transformational, because it's the transformational developing the lens of what am I here for that's going to cause the type of career work satisfaction you're finding, right? You said after doing this for so many years, I think you you said you had done like 400 something podcasts, right? Somebody could say, wow, I've done this for so long. I'm walking away from this. I'm tired. But because you found something that you feel you're called to do, you found something that you feel brings about this purpose, it has also then created this satisfaction. So 
for career professionals, I hope that those listening will see that linkage between being transactional versus transformational not only sets a client up for success in that job, you know, they've come for you to get, but 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road when they're still navigating uh, their, their career development. So I think that that is very, very powerful. Now, you talked a little bit about your book, and I can't wait to dive deeper. You actually have a couple of different books, but the one, The Quest for Purpose, is to find it and live it, really stood out to me. So can you tell folks a little bit about that book? And I think there's a course that may go along with it if someone's like, oh, I want to dive deeper into this. Yeah, we've created a full online course step-by-step because the book is a process. So we have all these various steps. So way back in the 80s, to date myself here, uh, I joined the National Speakers Association. I knew I was supposed to speak uh, to audiences. This is before I got into the authorship side, but I didn't know about what and to who. And I was mentored by a gentleman named Mike McManus out of Seattle, Washington, who was an educator. And he created a program called Source to keep kids in school because they were all quitting and the dropout rate was 30 or 40% in his district. And then he very quickly found out that, uh, guess what? Adults need it. So I went down. This is prior to where coaching was big. This is prior to everybody doing sort of the remote coaching or any kind of online. So I drove two and a half hours each way from my home to his place to be coached with him for over a half a year and really go through this journey of journaling is that life leaves clues. And so we're just not paying attention. We're not looking. We're not documenting. And a lot of times when we ask the question or we say to somebody who is in our office or we just meet them on the street, what's your purpose? It's too big of a question. (laughs) It's too overwhelming because if I haven't done the work, if I haven't uh, done any work in this area, I don't even know where to start. So I say, if you don't have a purpose, then your purpose in life is to find your purpose and not get anxious about it, not get all worked about it that you haven't got it figured out. If it takes you two months or two years, who cares? Because two years from now, if you've got the clarity, it's, you know, where are you going to be in two years if you don't do the work? Mm. You're just going to be there and you're still going to be lost. So, and, and you know what the Gallup studies have said, anywhere from 70 to 90%, depending on what year and what country, of individuals dislike what they do for mildly irritate the load. Mm. So why is it with all the career development and all the professionals and podcasts and all these things, we still have so much gap globally? Well, there's cultural gaps where you're expected to go down the family business. I grew up on a dairy farm. I'm the third born, uh, third generation, first born male, Eastern European descent. When I decided to leave the farm, I was said, you're, you, you betrayed everything. I did all of this. <laughs> I did all of this for you. So a lot of times we see this, and I know that parents are well-meaning, but it's the one job you can get without applying to get it, mm-hmm. is that you, the parents are well-meaning, a lot of cases, oh, you need to go to university, you need to do this, you need to do that. When in fact, the, their insights have never been in consideration, or I started this business, Dr. Stanley's book you know, the millionaire next door said, what percentage of family businesses make it to the third generation? It's 10%. Why? Because the passion and the, and the calling of the founder doesn't necessarily match the next generations. So when we think about purpose, and I just want to go through the back door around faith on this too, is that um, my challenge to professionals is because you don't have one doesn't mean that not having a conversation with somebody that does, I believe that we do a disservice to them. If you don't have one in the traditional sense, then become comfortable with those conversations for them 
And if we talk about diversity, can you accept the fact that this person has a belief system that they believe something spiritually going on there? And if you're discounting my belief system because I believe of this sort of spiritual nature and you don't believe it's there, is that not hindering me in that area? So in the book, I really talk about meaning before purpose. Mm -hmm. So where do I get my meaning from? Why am I even here? Mm -hmm. You know, people talk about their why in Simon's work, but I want to go before that. Where do I get my meaning? You know, like, the existence of life. Can you answer that question? And that is the personal journey everybody goes on. Go on that journey, find the people, find the resources, talk to the individuals, and then you can start leaning into this purpose. Now, as a person of faith, I believe that you can have spiritual assistance in getting clarity with your purpose and your call. So if there is a divine intervention or a divine call, and divine means uh, all-powerful, then I'm not an accident and I'm here by intention, then wouldn't that being know why I'm here? And so that's kind of the, the route that I go on. Now, I'm not saying that everybody else has to do that. You, you are respected on your own journey, but it is a critical piece where, okay, now I can look at purpose yeah. before I get into career. So if my purpose is to help others to encourage them to realize their potential, the outlet for that is actually quite varied. There's a lot of possibilities. Now, if you're supposed to be the best electrician, firefighter, educator in the world, in whatever context, then do that. You know, my wife's a teacher by profession. She was in elementary school, then she was a children's uh, pastor, then she was an academic coach in university, and then she was helping in elder care. Well, all of that is really around nurturing others in all that diversity, that, that core thing of her serving and helping them. And now she's actually working back with young people again. Mm. So her her life has had all these sort of different variations with this little theme that has been anchored. Now, the other one is, I know I do a fair amount of work with workplace accident individuals who all their whole life, and if you think Mm. about, you know, um, Mm -hmm. the uh, U.S. Armed Forces have used our tools and resources I trained my whole life to be a Marine or to be whatever. And I got injured. I do believe that we don't, we're not just stuck. Mm. Meaning, okay, Ken, let's, I don't want to put this out. Let's say something happened and I couldn't do exactly what I'm doing. Mm. There's still other things that are affiliated that are linked that are uh, there for you. What, What many people do, and I'm not saying it's easy. It's not at all is let's say my whole life I've been doing this one profession and I had a workplace accident. Most of the individuals there will be focusing on what they lost, not Mm -hmm. where they could go. Mm -hmm. Even today's counseling, you know, we talk about, you know, just talk about the drama. No, no. Talk about where you're going to. What's the future hold? Where, Where are you focused? So that's where, what is it possible for you? What, what are some options? You had leadership in the military. Maybe you don't have certain uh, body appendages now because of uh, something that occurred to you. But how can that leadership be taught? How can you still uh, mentor others or help others in that same kind of format, even though you're not, quote unquote, in the field as that you were exactly before? The other thing that I do in the book is, and this is even before you're getting down this career side, I talk about character as being a foundational piece is that um, I was very fortunate to be in to an invite only uh, event with Marshall, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, who is one of the top coaches in the world now, semi-retired. And he wrote the book uh, Triggers, but he also wrote the book mm-hmm. What Got You Here Won't Get You There. 
And he said, Ken, even though we get paid, you know, significant amounts of money to coach the CEOs of the Fortune 2000 in the world, said, if they don't have integrity, I don't work with them. Wow. I just, so a lot of times your, your belief system that then leads into this meaning that leads into behaviors, a lot of times we're in environments where what our core character traits or values are, because we talked about that in the session you were at with me. If they're not aligned, then I cannot sustain engagement. So in some cases, you could be actually in the right career, if we want to call it, or the right assignment or the right calling, but in the wrong environment. And so the environment is not supportive of you. The people around you are not really embracing you. Or I'm, I'm actually doing some work with a client right now, a new client. And uh, he, he's the owner is just struggling with this group. And I did interviews of the entire company. And uh, discovered the number one person who is contributing this uh, mess is the owner. And so <laughs> when, when, the, when you uh, don't have leadership and the leadership is not encouraging, not supportive, uh, there was a study from American Society for Training Development or ATD now that uh, responsibility without competence mm. creates engagement. So you might actually want to go down this pathway, but I haven't given you the training, the support to support it to uh, engage it. And so I'm thrown in in the deep end of the pool, go, you know, make your way. Uh, and yet you, you struggle because you weren't mentored, you weren't coached, you weren't trained yeah. to be competent in that area. So when we think about this journey of purpose and call and career, it is a journey. Like we're never there. We're constantly evolving. We're constantly getting deeper level of quality, uh, of, of clarity, pardon me, and then when uh, Brendy Bouchard did the New York Times bestseller around the habits of high performers, mm -hmm. the number one habit of high performers was clarity. Yeah. So if you're not clear, then your number one assignment is clarity. If you want to call it purpose, if you want to call it assignment, if you want to call it a job, you want to call it a career, I don't care. Just go down this journey. Now, the other thing that I do in the book, which was so valuable to me, is that I journaled in seven or eight different categories around the essence of my life, meaning what kind of people do you like to hang out with? So uh, Mike did it, and then I just inserted it into my book. And so pay attention to any time in your life where you're energized, where you're positive, where you're inspired, not negative, not drained. Those are not, not important, though you could decide that those are the things you want to avoid and do the backdoor thing. But now you're starting to pay attention. Okay, what kind of people do I like to be around? What is, what's the essence? What's their values? What, what's going on for them in that terms of how they think? What experiences do I like? Do I like the outdoors? Do I like the indoors? Do I like technology? What, so you're just starting to pay attention to those things that really enthrall you, engage you, pay attention to you. I mean, who would have thought that you could have a job full-time playing video games if you're testing them out? Mm. So, I mean, EA Games, I'm in Vancouver, Canada, was where the head office was for many, many years. And there's actually jobs there for game theory and how to put it together and how to think about that stuff as a whole new place or a career that didn't exist 40 years ago. And then as you start to uh, journal, these little snippets start to come to say, okay, here are the pieces of my life that if my life was really feeling Fulfilled. And by the way, we all have days, right, mm -hmm. Dr. Matthews, where it just doesn't kind of, we're not fully engaged. It, hey, welcome to life. But how could I have the majority of what's going on really feel fulfilling, the highest level of contribution 
And so it's my responsibility to do this discovery. So I actually journaled 40 or 50 handwritten pages. Mm. And then we have people go back through this journaling exercise and start to identify the themes and words that really resonate for you and start to bring. To, so this is the narrative side. We also have the, you know, the personality and the values and all those kinds of things that people should do on assessments. And then you start bringing together, okay, now let's project this in the future. If you had sort of your perfect group of friends or affiliates or colleagues in the perfect environment, what does that look like? Mm. And so we all know, I'm not, I'm into the law of attraction, but in, a, in this way, meaning what you focus on, you're going to get more of. And if you're not clear about the environment you want to go into, if you're not clear about the work culture that you want to be part of, then anything will do. So you, so it's our responsibility to define that, to say, okay, this is what it looks like for me. Now, I, I make a, a joke when we do our values assessment. What would it mean if you could make the right decision every time? Mm. Well, you can if you're filtering it through these windows. Mm-hmm. So if you have the clarity of uh, this culture not working, and here's this great job, and it's 100K a year, and then you just see how people are treating each other. You see how they talk to you in the interview. You experience maybe not respect the level you'd like. Even though it's 100K a year, if you say yes, you know you're miserable three months, six months, <laughs> a year from now. And we've all been there when we've taken roles or responsibilities or gone into environments that didn't turn out as we anticipated, correct? So with that, what would it mean if I could just filter and just start leaning into it? So, okay, well, I need independence as one of my values. I need challenge. I need expertise. Are those represented in the opportunities I'm looking at? So you're doing sort of a values-based decision rather than a situational-based because there's so many options. And that's even part of the challenge for the people that we serve. I mean, you go back 150 years, you had like 20 career paths that you had, right? (laughs) (laughs) Were you a farmer, you were a blacksmith, you know, whatever. And now there are just so many. And even, even in the context within technology, there's like thousands of different routes that you can go there. Are you a programmer? Are you a system? Whatever. So why wouldn't I just try to think of what are the little things that really uh, apply to me? And then and for those of us that are in different stages of life, and I'm, I'm calling myself a super ager, right? So I'm like <laughs> Dr. Dr. Rich Feller was kind enough to endorse a couple of my books. So you, what I'm just going to lean in is that the new 60, uh, 65 is a new 45, as far as I'm concerned. Ah. And as I move into, um, you know, 60-ish and being a grandfather, what's most important to me is slightly different than it was 10 years ago right. or 20 years ago. And so there's these adjustments in the time of our life. And then with two adult children, both married, who have amazing, significant others, I'm just blessed that way. We said, you know, that's a priority for us. So I could say a career and I could be traveling the world speaking in all these different conferences, but it doesn't appeal to me at that same level as it is to just go over and help my son or help my son-in-law or the daughters, whatever, do whatever they need to do at their locations. So I know that I was talking a little slow for you. I apologize. <laughs> no. But, but I'll take a breath just in terms of letting the listeners to say, just kind of, you can reflect in some of the thoughts. That yeah. We're I, I thought it was great. I think um, my big takeaway is that 
a lens, using a lens of someone's belief system or their faith system, first and foremost, career practitioners don't have to shy away from this because actually it's a part of what you said, this wonderful word of bringing about clarity in our clients' lives. And we all know most career models start with discover your direction or some sort of exploration. So we don't have to shy, even if we have different lenses ourselves or different belief system, we don't have to shy away from allowing someone to use their belief system in their career development process, because chances are they're going to end up in a better space if they do use it because they're able to bring about that clarity and how it really starts with that clarity. I loved also what you talked about is character and what I like to also call strengths or professional development building. So if you really look at Gallup strengths, strength says just knowing your talent theme is not enough. You have to develop that talent for it to become a real strength. So I think someone's belief system and that character development that can also come with that and is a part of the career development process really helps to that part of saying, okay, here's what we do a good job of giving people boxes to check off of. This is where I'm good Mm -hmm. with, or here's what this report says, but do we always do a good good job within helping them take that from somewhere to, to build that into their character and who they are? And that leads right into what you said about this is all a journey. And I've, I find sometimes when I go and talk to job seekers, when you um, talk about career as a journey and how a journey is going to have different speeds, different paces, um, and maybe um, from a spiritual lens, we might say different seasons, some fall seasons, some winter seasons, some spring seasons. I noticed that people of all faiths and belief systems really identify with that because they've experienced turbulence in their lives. They have experienced lulls in their lives and they've experienced these highs in their lives. So they're not afraid of talking about it in these terms that we sometimes may shy away from. So I love the fact that you really said to career practitioners, you can talk about someone's belief system. You can bring that into the conversation. For me, I just had a a client a couple of months ago and we talked, had no clue um, what her belief system was, but she ended up talking about it. I use it as a window. We ended up being persons of the same faith and I ended up being able to share with her something in my faith called spiritual gifts. And we ended up just talking about that. And she said, I want to examine that. And for me, it blew my mind to see that my noticing that her belief system was playing a part in her career decision-making and allowing her to take that, that where she needed it to go, allow for us to have a more robust experience together. So thank you for releasing people to say, hey, you can, even if a person has a different belief system than you, you can still bring that in, incorporate it into the career process because it's important. Um, The other thing I love to hear you talk a little bit about, because I think one of the reasons we may um, steer, steer away from this is because Today, religion has become very polarizing for a lot of people um, in many countries and people of many faiths. So it's something that can be very, very uh, polarizing. But the fact of the matter is, we have clients who are bringing different faith and belief systems to us. So in my work, um, I've worked with Orthodox Jews who, in fact, um, could not touch a person of the opposite sex. So what does that mean if I can't shake someone's hand in the workplace? Um, I have had, uh, when I was at the the Catholic college, and I'm not Catholic, that was an opportunity for me to be in an environment where the belief systems were a little bit different from mine. But I would have students say, I really want to wear my cross. 
you know, to the interview? What does that mean? How do I how do I deal with that? Or uh, on our campus now, we have a, a interfaith room where our Muslim students can go and pray. What if I get a job and I need to pray? at lunchtime. You know, how would you recommend we coach clients where their belief system and their faith is really lived out loud or parent in their wardrobe or what have you? You know, do they shy away from that in the workplace? Do we encourage, because for a long time, I feel like we've encouraged people to downplay their diversity variables. You know, what are your thoughts around that? Well, I think you already got a sense of, uh, I think people need to be permitted to lean into their own space. Now, where some concerns come into play is that when my belief system starts to spill over into your space, I I get that. (laughs) However, if this is my belief system, so we've had uh, a Muslim woman attend our certification training, our three-day training. And so that's where you said that you uh, males cannot hug or uh, she's married. So that was so fine. That's respectful of it. Now, I think in some ways, the communication of that preempting it would help to just Mm -hmm. mitigate misunderstandings or, you know, who do you think you are that you won't shake my hand or whatever. If I know that that is the faith place that you're coming from, and I've been educated as a coworker around that, well, well, that's great. I understand that now. That's cool. So I'm not shocked by certain cultural norms which might be different than what I'm used to. And I think this is where uh, shying away from it has done a disservice in all of this area. Uh, where uh, And then we do know that there is discrimination against people that if I want to wear a cross, yep. so no, you can't do that. Well, why? Because that offends me. Well, here's a rally. Every single person on the planet is offended by something at some time these days. And um, and I'm not saying that uh, this is there are things that are not, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. offensive. Mm -hmm. But if I was to try to run my life to every point where nobody was offended, I I would just stay home and never go anywhere. So the the, my encouragement is, is that we move into this space where I'm trying to accept uh, the differences that are out there. I might. And here's the reality. If a person has a certain belief system, there are going to be some things that they're going to disagree with you. Mm -hmm. The key is, can I respect your right to your belief system and my right to my belief system? And I think negating it, avoiding it, not chatting about it is a huge disservice to people. And now I'm an individual really as from the Christian perspective, and I grew up in a Christian church and then I left, quote unquote, religion because I hated religion. So that's why I say I'm a spiritual person. I have a belief system. And then about 10 years later, I came back because... I was on the wilds. I was just like a crazy, crazy. <laughs> I was one of those college kids that hardly made it to class because I was too busy partying all the time. So I know it doesn't look like it now, but uh, I, I did. So, you know, we're all on these journeys of clarity. Yeah. Now, I remember once doing, uh, I, I've done a fair amount of coaching in my lifetime, and I remember working with an individual for several months. And we then we got to this idea of spirituality and beliefs and, and whatever. And you know, they got angry with me for avoiding the conversation for six months. We wasted six months of our time talking about, you know, like frivolous things versus what's most important to me. And so why didn't you bring it up earlier? And so they actually, so I think even as a professional, this needs to kind of be up front and to say, you know, where do you come from on this? 
as really a question of discovery, not a question of judgment, to say that now I know where you know where I stand, I know where you stand, and how is that going to shape and weave our conversation? How's it going to shape and weave your journey? So if you are a person of faith and your spiritual anchoring is critically important to your journey in life, career in life, because I don't believe that we just have a career, we have a life, right? But all the intersections that occur around family and friends and fitness and finance and in what I do for a living, if, if that is a core being and I'm a career development practitioner and I avoid that whole pie, that section then I have, I have really not done my job as a professional. Wow. So, uh, you know, I know it's a strong statement. And then on the flip side, and I just want to stir up the group, you'll never have me back on, Dr. <laughs> Matthews, is that uh, years ago, I wrote an article about the disservice that SIC and not codes do. Because we we get people down these journeys Said, you know, how many job titles are in the US now? And like, I think the last estimate was over 40,000 or something. Well, there's no not code category or SIC code. I think there are themes, I'm not missing it, but I think to try to say, okay, well, what's the not code for Ken? Well, there isn't. I'm, I'm really supposed to be a speaker and a president or a leader of something, but with what, you know, am I a home uh, vacuum carpet cleaning business or am I doing a professional development stuff? So, uh, you know, I think that's, if there was a gift that we could give to all our clients, it's the gift of curiosity. The gift of constantly seeking and learning. So three, or, I have 10 characteristics in the quest for purpose around character and, and what are important. But one of those is this lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. So when um, Dr. Sigelman wrote the book, Learned Optimism, and many of us are familiar with it, in his group, he said, well, what were some of the things that contributed to meaning and purpose in people's life? And one of those top three things is like a lifelong learner. So, you know, so not only am I, okay, I'm going to go down this path now, this is where I'm journeying down, but we know that I'm going to have five, six, seven, eight, nine sort of different job titles in my lifetime. Uh, well, okay, this is where I'm at for now. Uh, do you, have you heard of the book, The Range? No, tell us about it. Okay, so uh, my son told me about it. It's, it's deep. I forget the author's name right now. Uh, oh, Dr. David Epstein. And so... What Range actually confirmed is that being a exceptional generalist helps you to be a specialist. Mm. <laughs> so uh, having myopic things in life and just being focused on one thing actually hinders my my own personal diversity in my life and my and own richness in problem solving. So he was talking about different cultures that couldn't problem solve things that other cultures could think of very, very easily because of the environment they were part of. One example was NASA scientists couldn't figure out this biochemistry thing that they were trying to work on. So they put the problem on the website and said, could anybody in the world figure out what the the solution is to this problem? Well, a baker figured it out. It was based (laughs) on one-on-one chemistry about uh, causation between different chemicals and stuff like that. He said, well, this is what's occurring. He said, what? What?" That's because uh, rocket scientists were so focused that they couldn't sort of expand. So my encouragement is we is as professionals and as individuals is that we just never stop this curiosity, this different fine tuning, where I'm going with it. Uh, so here's my underpinning. If every single person on this planet is born with a purpose or assignment, 
then it is my responsibility to discover it, to find it. I'm, I'm not big on uh, victimhood because if I play victim, then I can't be a victor. Mm-hmm. So, because I can do this external blaming. Now, I'm not saying stuff hasn't happened to us. I had some horrific things happen to me when I was in my 20s uh, that I won't even go into here. But, you know, mo- most people would have just quit life as a result of that. But I had a choice of at that minute uh, or that moment. Was I going to move forward or is I going to use that event as an excuse for not doing anything? So I'm not suggesting you didn't have some impact, but let's move past that. Let's be into victory. Let's take responsibility. And in this mix, as we started this whole show about, is that I would challenge people that faith or spirituality or beliefs is a critical piece to this journey for us. And yeah. to discover, to look, my story, I put my story in my in the quest for purpose because I believe it was important. And mm-hmm. uh, contrary to what Dr. Robinson said in the element, I said, no, this is an anchor point. Mm-hmm. This is not cursory. This is not immaterial. This is an anchor point. Yeah. And those of you that are listening is that uh, we don't want to dis- do a disservice. If somebody believes differently and that those beliefs even conflict or in conflict with sort of your direction, so be it. This Welcome to hopefully a free world that <laughs> you're allowed to think independently without trying to, you know, diss the other person or whatever. But if this is where I'm grounded in and centered, then that's where I'm going to be most at home when I start thinking about my career, the culture, the people I want to be hanging out with uh, and my choices in life. I absolutely love that. I have enjoyed this conversation. I think uh, to our listeners, hopefully you're taking away a lot of what I'm taking away that number one, um, think about and reflect on what is your perspective? Does everyone have a purpose? Does everyone have something that they're called to, something of meaning, something that they're meant to offer the world and chew on that and think about that. Number two, um, people's belief systems, whether that is structured religion, whether it's spirituality, whether it's just their lens on how they're worldview actually has a lot to do with the crystallization of their career goals, with their value system, where where they should work at, what what company will be a good fit, how they'll go about the career decision-making process. So we may do our clients a disservice when we don't go down that path of finding out their belief system or how faith may play a role in their career development. And I love the word that you just used, just the anchor point. That can really be an anchor point in the work that we do. You and I both have had clients who have called us to task on that to say, hey, I want this to be a part of the discussion. So my hope today for those who are listening is that we won't leave that out of the discussion. And then when we do have clients who have um, bold faith or they live out their faith in a way that's very apparent in their wardrobe or different pieces that we will coach them not to hide who they are but coach them to make the best decision about who they are and the places and spaces that they go to. I want to thank Dr. Ken Kess for being with us today. We so appreciate you that Dr. Ken Keys, and I want to encourage everyone to go to the website. Um, we're going to put it in the, uh, with the, the, the podcast post so you can go and pick up the book. Okay. If you want to learn more about this and how you can bring a uh, life script design belief into your work with your clients. Thanks again. Thank you.